Welcome to a joint Giant Splash A's Plus podcast. I'm John Shea of the San Francisco Chronicle, and my wonderful colleagues, Susan Slesser and Matt Karahara, join me in conversation about the start of the 2021 baseball season. Yes, it is here. We'll discuss how good the Giants and A's can be, break down the rosters, the pitching staffs, and the lineups, and at the end, some rapid-fire questions pitting players from both sides of the bay. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the 2021 baseball season, preferably a 162-game baseball season. We're presenting a combined Giant Splash and A's Plus podcast presented by the San Francisco Chronicle with our very own Susan Slusser, Giants beat writer, and Matt Kawahara, A's beat writer. And I'm John Shea, national baseball writer. And Susan and Matt, you were in spring training throughout. You never came home. You worked in the desert all the way to the final Cactus League games. I suppose it was called the the Bay Bridge Series, but I saw no bay and I I saw no bridge anywhere. But uh, how are you guys doing? Well, John, um, I am currently driving back to the Bay Area. uh, And I'm somewhere, I think, around San Bernardino. Ask Matt Kawahara when he got back from his drive from Macy uh, this morning, crazy person that he is. I did a pleasant overnight drive. So I am back in the Bay Area and uh, ready for the A's workout day tomorrow on Wednesday and then to get the season going with the Astros on Thursday. That's real dedication, Matt. Um, way, way to go with the overnight drive. So I think we'll both be ready to go for, for our uh, various openers. I'll be in Seattle because I get to follow up today's drive with a flight to Seattle. So phenomenal. Nothing. Baseball pandemic style. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, the, the Giants open in Seattle and the A's are at home against the Astros. So it's coming to you this week. And maybe real quick, because you know we, we don't need to spend a whole lot of time on spring training. The big thing is the season ahead. But because you guys were there every single day and saw the games and talked with everybody, what, what are maybe – Uh, a couple of highs and lows uh, from what you've seen so far, Susan? Well, the Giants, I think, feel very good about their offense. Uh, The addition of Tommy LaStella really lengthens the lineup, uh, especially when they're facing right-handed starters. I don't know how much he'll play in that season opening series at Seattle with uh, especially the team facing two lefties to start off with. Uh, but they are a team that's going to work counts, drive opposing pitchers nuts. Uh, and, you know, they're very happy that Brandon Belt managed to work himself back into shape somehow after the double, well, even triple whammy, bone mm-hmm. spur surgery, COVID, mono. He looks like he's good to go. Looks like he'll be on the opening night roster. Evan Longoria's plantar fasciitis, it's not going away, but it looks like he'll be able to play in the field. So the health is good. And they got great news on Mike Yastrzemski after getting hit on the pitch, on the left hand by a pitch from Sean Mania. Uh, negative x-rays. So uh, he's considered day-to-day. I'd be pretty surprised if he's not in the lineup for the opener. I think the concerns for the Giants are probably going to be the defense, which was erratic, although it looked better even by the end of spring training, particularly in the outfield where it had been pretty shoddy to start things off. Uh, and the pitching, they don't have a ton of starting pitching depth, even though, you know, they added some veterans near the end of camp. Uh, I, you know, that, that's an area I think that that's a little bit of a concern, and I would think that they're going to go out and keep an eye 
on that market as other teams let players go here in the next couple of days? Well, on the A side, I think uh, the main positives uh, were a couple of specific guys, uh, the Mats, Chapman and Olsen. Uh, the big questions coming, one of the big questions coming into spring was just how Matt Chapman would look coming back from the hip surgery. Uh, he looked really, really good, really athletic at third base. Uh, it didn't seem like he was really hampered at all, even from the start. They worked him in a little bit slowly, but the first game that he got into, he made a diving play to his backhand and it looked like he was just back to normal. So, so that was a plus for them. And then uh, Matt Olson, who struggled last year hitting uh, pretty much the entire season, was basically their hottest hitter for the entirety of spring. I mean, he was on a tear for the entirety of Cactus League play. And I think, you know, he is, he's a guy who is admittedly, I mean, he said in the past that he traditionally starts pretty slowly as a hitter. So for him to be locked in at this point going into the season, I think is a, is a benefit for them. Um, so those are two big pluses and two guys that they obviously need to, to get bounce back years from uh, this season to be contending again. Um, as far as lows go, I think they were pretty methodical this uh, spring, just in the way that they worked in some of their veterans. Um, you didn't see very good hitting numbers from guys like Elvis Andrews, uh, Mitch Moreland, Mark Canna. Um, but again, you know, they, they kind of write those off as just spring results and guys just working out. But some of the relievers as well, we didn't see a whole lot of Sergio Romo. Uh, we saw Trevor Rosenthal a handful of times and, and he wasn't really you know, dominating in, in Cactus League play. Not that, you know, he was going out and trying to uh, overpower everybody with 100-mile-an-hour fastballs, but I think there's still some some room to, to see or some, some room to wonder how they're going to look in the first couple of weeks of spring. This is the time when we're always asked, well, how good can the Giants be? How good will the A's be? And, you know, as if we know, but, we, hey, we're educated guessers. So what I always tell them is, you know, the Giants have not had – a winning record in four years. And I say, if, if they could get to 500, I think that would be a heck of a season. They might not think so. They think they can contend. But I would say 500. With the A's, I said, man, they got, they got uh, what it takes to win another division. But, you know, there's, there's the Astros and the Angels are going to make a push. But, Susan, how good can the Giants be? How good will the Giants be? I actually think that they could um... – win more than half their games. I think they might be a little bit over 500. I think they showed a lot of improvement last year, obviously kept things interesting. I think they can do that again this year, assuming full health. They are not going to win the division. They are probably not a playoff team unless somehow expanded playoffs get jammed in late, uh, which I, you know, you can never rule anything out these days with last second agreements. But, uh, I think they're looking for improvement. I think they're looking for experience for young players. I think we could see people like Elliot Ramos before the end of the year, even though they've been clear they would like the bulk of their top prospects to get a lot of time in the minor leagues. Uh, and we'll all be spending a lot of time watching those, you know, storied veterans that they have, particular bus, particularly Buster Posey, coming off that, you know, sitting out last year, at the end, potentially, of his Giants career, and then the two Brandons, potentially, at the end of their Giants career. Those are going to be storylines all year. Uh, their veterans are all looking for strong seasons, either for contract reasons or, man, Evan Longoria looked great hitting the ball all spring. Um, Johnny Cueto uh, probably will be a free agent. I can't see the Giants picking up his option. A lot of incentive for a lot of guys to uh, really bounce back strong. I think they'll be okay. 
I don't think this is a bad team. I think it's a very interesting team, still a team in transition, but uh, any improvement will be seen as a plus. And don't forget this, this coaching staff, which is very young and inexperienced, they now have, well, can we call it a year under their belt after a two-month season? But now this is, they will be going into their second season with this group and with a lot more experience. Uh, I, I, I think it's fascinating. I think they're a fascinating, fascinating team, even though we could pretty much safely say they are not going to be vying for the division title, unlike the A's, which I assume, Matt, uh, you think the A's are probably right in the thick of the hunt in the AL West. I, yes. I mean, for, well, you look around at some of the other, the, like the outside projections, and it doesn't seem like a whole lot of those are expecting the A's to be in contention for the AL West, but they certainly expect to. Um, it's hard to tell exactly what goes into the the predictions that they're going to win something like 82, 83 games, whether it was that they've overachieved in the last couple of years when they've won basically at a 97 win pace for the last three years, or if the losses that they sustain this off season and the guys that they brought in, uh, people are looking at that and thinking that that's a 14 win difference, but they feel like they, their window is still open. And that's why they made those late moves that they made was because they feel like they still can maximize this core that they have. Um, I think the biggest key for them is probably going to be starting pitching uh, because their starting pitching really was not super strong last year. Obviously Chris Bassett had the breakthrough in the, in the two month season. Um, he was their most consistent pitcher or starting pitcher throughout, but everybody else was kind of up and down. I mean, Jesus Cesaro had some outings where he looked great. And then he had some outings where he got roughed up in one inning. Uh, Frankie Montas uh, second half of the season was not very good. Sean Manaya first half of the season was not very good. Um, so I think, but all of those guys in the past have shown that they can be dominant for stretches. Um, so I think consistency of starting pitching, and obviously they need to figure out that fifth spot, who's going to be filling in for the time being when Mike Fires is out and whether Mike Fires is going to come back and reclaim that spot is, is a question to, to watch. But I think starting pitching is going to be big for them, um, as well as, you know, the guys that they replaced in the bullpen, how, how those guys fare. Well, let's specifically break down that rotation uh maddie you did a nice job on the a's you know bassett is going to throw the opener uh gosman is going to throw the opener for san francisco and uh, you know cueto threw the opener last year uh, had a rough season especially at the end uh and, and sanchez is the number five guy it seems with alex wood likely going on the injured list uh, with that spine uh, issue he had mid-spring but Susan, uh, this is amazing, this rotation, because it, it is basically everybody is on a one-year deal, Cueto, the final year of his contract, and everyone's going to be a free agent next season, except for Webb, who's uh, the kid uh, replacing Wood, or he, shoot, he pitched his way into the rotation. But uh, uh, anyway, what, what do you think of the rotation overall? Well, I think Logan Webb looks like a, an early uh, potential Giants candidate for the All-Star team. Besides that, uh, you know, I think we know that Gosman is a frontline starter. And then there are a lot of question marks. Now, the Giants have shown, much like the A's, they've got a real knack for identifying pitchers primed for good bounce-back seasons. Anthony DeSclafani seems like he fits kind of that Drew Smiley, Kevin Gosman mold. You know, he's just a year removed from having a, a solid season. Um, some of the other guys, uh, you know, who knows what they will get out of Aaron Sanchez? He not only had had a couple of down years, he then had shoulder surgery. 
uh, you know, very young. He had the top ERA in the American League in 2016 when he was an all-star. So a nice pedigree, but we have not yet seen the kind of stuff that he had back then. So they've got their work cut out for them to get him back to, to that kind of level. Alex Wood, uh, you know, he, he probably opens on the injured list. If Aaron Sanchez has any sort of underperformance uh, or if it's, he's just not quite right as he comes back, I think we see Wood pretty quickly. Scott Casimir is a guy who is fascinating to me. Uh, obviously, I covered his first career co- comeback in Oakland, which was impressive. He looks as good, uh, if not better. He looks different. You know, he's, he's changed his mechanics up again. He's throwing strikes. He's throwing low 90s. He's got movement on everything. Uh, after so long removed from the game, he hasn't pitched in a big league game since 2016. Uh, this is a real wild card, but man, if the Giants somehow could pull something off of him, they're really going to be the go-to destination for any pitcher who wants to come back at all. Uh, and I think they're already kind of getting that reputation. So the way they use data, the way they use, you know, what they call pitch shapes, trying to maximize everybody's usage and, you know, a whole array of things and information and coaches. Uh, I have a feeling they will strike gold with at least one of those guys, but chances are they are not going to hit on all of them. So that remains a question mark, but a fascinating one. Uh, And then who knows what they have in Cueto. This is a guy who, if he wants to have any sort of guaranteed contract next year, needs to get back into his old form um, or at least close to it because he did not have a particularly good spring. uh, And we know that last year was a disappointment for him. So like really there is a, a lot of interesting stuff, but a lot of work cut out for those finance coaches. We'll see what they can do with them. Well, Matt, this uh, look at th- this rotation, could this be the year that it all comes together? Because uh, you're talking about, well, he had a good half. He had a good second half, you know, could he put it all together? But uh, I mean, we, we've been looking at this rotation evolving over the years and it seems like they might have better depth than the Giants in the rotation, at least better younger depth. <laughs> and, you know, with, with Puck and a couple other youngsters who did well in spring training. But could you see this coming together? It, it, you know, they're not going to start with fires. But otherwise, there are a lot of young guys. Yeah, I mean, so I think that's kind of what we were getting at earlier, too, is, okay, you look at best case scenario, right? Bassett is the same guy that he was last year, but over a full season. Luzardo has his breakthrough and becomes that sort of top of the rotation guy, uh, maximizing his stuff that everybody thinks um, he, he potentially or is going to get to at some point. But yeah, that happens this year, even though he's still 23. Uh, Montas snaps back into that first half of 2019 form. Sean Manaya has actually, one. I think another encouraging thing about the A spring was Manaya came into camp looking a little bit uh, just kind of, bigger like he put on some some weight but in a good way and that has uh i think led to an uptick in in velocity because last year for a lot of the season he was uh hovering around 90 91 with the fastball this spring he's been 93 94 consistently and you know that obviously makes all his other stuff uh play a little bit better he's also talking about being more aggressive on the mound he thinks sometimes in the past he's been a little bit too nice a little bit too you know he's kind of a happy-go-lucky guy uh, for the most part, but so he, he's trying to sort of bear down a little bit there. 
And then when you, when you talk about the depth, and I think this is going to be a, an interesting thing, is right now they're talking about fires potentially coming back in mid or late April. Um, but the guys that they've had as candidates to replace him have looked really good this spring. I mean, Puck, we haven't seen a whole lot of, but in his last outing, he was pretty sharp. Uh, he's not throwing 97, 98 anymore, and he's acknowledged that he might not get that back. He doesn't know. He, he says, you know, it's, it's totally possible that maybe it comes back in a couple months or a couple years. But he's been 93, 94, and, and using that really well. He's mixing in a two-seam fastball a little bit more. He said he's really excited to kind of be more of a pitcher, whereas earlier in his career, you know, he just kind of reached back in the back pocket and pull out 98. But um, he, so he looked good in his last start. Uh, but Cole Irvin and Dalton Jeffries, the two other options, uh, Jeffrey's obviously a, the f- former first round pick out of Cal has come up through the A's system. Irvin is a guy that they got from the Phillies over the off season for uh, cash considerations. And he, he has looked really good. I mean, his, his stuff is an interesting, I mean, he, he looks like a starter. He, he mixes in probably four or five different pitches. He can work his fastball anywhere between 90 and 94. Uh, but he, his last cactus league outing came against the Dodgers had 10 strikeouts against their A lineup uh, in six innings and, um, and just looked really good. And obviously all these things are spring training results, but I think they do feel pretty good about the depth options that they have there. And they still haven't made a decision yet on whether, on uh, which, which one of those guys is going to fill in for fires to start and potentially for Frankie Montas because he left his last start with a, a cuticle tear on a middle finger of his pitching hand. So his status is a little bit TBA right now. He's going to throw in a sim game tomorrow, Wednesday, and uh, they'll go from there. We'll be back with more of Susan and Matt right after this quick break. Well, let's hit the bullpen real quick before we uh, break down the offense. And, you know, Jake McGee and Trevor Rosenthal, the, the closers, though in the Giants case, Susan, it's really not a closer quite yet. It's a high leverage reliever. Because that's the way the Giants uh, describe their relievers. But explain to me why this eight-person bullpen has five lefties. I don't think I've ever seen something like that. Yeah, that's a little unusual. I got I to gotta say, I've talked to a lot of scouts this spring who like it. Because, uh, wow, it's, it's unusual. I mean, okay, yes, when you have a closer who's a left-hander, you're going to automatically have one extra lefty. Um, that's why it used to be kind of unusual to have lefty closers because if you had a good lefty, you were going to use them in the, you know, lefty-lefty kind of situations and probably a lot earlier in the game. Five, you've suddenly got the luxury of even with the three-batter minimum rule of really mixing and matching when you can, you know, especially in a two-out situation, you know, you might be less likely to face that three-batter minimum uh, if it's the opposing team's part of the heart of the order, you can bring them in real early if you need to. So uh, the Giants might be kind of doing one of those unexpected zigzag kind of things, finding value where, you know, uh, other teams aren't kind of thing and stockpiling a lot of decent lefties for sure. So, yeah, that's unusual. Um, they've got a little depth here too. Nick Tropiano is an interesting one to me, and I still think it's we might see him – much sooner rather than later. I think he's even potentially got a shot at the, the opening night roster uh, as a long man, if they want a long man, uh, which mean, might be one of their younger relievers who has options left, might be uh, uh, getting a short end of the stick here because Tropiano really has looked good. And in fact, 
I think might be a candidate for one of the starter spots if there's underperformance. So uh, I would throw him into the mix, in which case it might just be a little bit slightly more normal for lefties <laughs> in the bullpen. Of course, at some point, Casimir might wind up as a long guy. Then you could have five or six. Hey, just do the whole bullpen as all lefties, especially if they're good talkers. I would be in favor. For the A's bullpen, when you look at the moves that they made, obviously they lost Liam Hendricks, um, but they kind of have just plugged in guys to, to what they lost. They, they brought in Rosenthal to replace Hendricks. They brought in Adam Cleric, the lefty, to replace TJ McFarlane. And they signed Sergio Romo basically to potentially be a setup guy in the same vein as Joaquin Soria was last year. So the bullpen last season, uh, it, the A's led the majors in relief ERA. Um, I think, you know, just watching Rosenthal's outings this year or this spring, um, it wasn't necessarily the sort of the dominant uh, overpowering fastball that you would expect. I think in his early outings, he was working a little bit on the off-speed stuff. So he threw a lot of sliders um, and not as much of the sort of high 90s fastball that you were maybe used to seeing last year when he had such a great year uh, in a bounce back. Um, and he was, you know, he dialed it up to, to 98, I think, once or twice in the spring, but for the most part was in that sort of 94, 97 range. So um, I think the A's are, are confident that, that that still plays. Um, but, you know, I think that's something that does bear watching a little bit going forward. Jake Diekman has looked great this spring, and I, I don't think I, – I, he made six appearances, I think, didn't give up a run. Obviously, he gave up one run all of last season. If there's any – you know, faltering or questions about uh, needing a closer or a, a quote-unquote high-leverage reliever. I think Diekman is is kind of uh, establishing himself there where, you know, he was going to be potentially the closer coming in before they ended up signing Rosenthal. And I think he could very well, if there's any sort of, you know, question about that at any point in the season, he could probably step in and do that role. Um, otherwise, the bullpen roles aren't necessarily – to set uh, when you look at some of the guys that they have who were more you know mid to six seven inning guys last year JB Wendelkin, Lou Trevino. Trevino was a great setup guy three years ago and has struggled a couple seasons but uh, looked a little bit better last year and then Wendelkin was great last season in sort of an unsung um, unsung role but he came in a lot with runners on base and uh, he diffused a lot of those situations and obviously they have used Mero Petit back to to do some of that fireman stuff too so they don't have quite the number of left-handers as the Giants, but um, but they they feel good about the about Cleric. Uh, he's kind of funky, drops down from from the side a little bit, and offers a different look. And I think they were, you know, that it was a theme early in spring that they were sort of trying to compile that different arm angles kind of thing, where you can just bring in uh, guys who are thrown from the side, who are thrown three quarters, right and left, and just kind of mix it up on, on opposing hitters in the way that you saw some of the playoff teams do last year. So, so that is a group that bears watching, um, but I think they feel confident going in. Both offenses have intriguing storylines. And, Maddie, you've written about this now-or-never dynamic with Chapman and Olsen. And not only that, some of these guys, I mean, uh, the, Billy Bean, Bob Melvin, how long will they remain in the organization? But on the A's, Susan, you mentioned, you know, the big three, those guys who won rings, the, the two Brandons and, and, and Posey. But 
specifically with, with, with the lineup, you know, because Sally's a newcomer. But the biggest newcomer was Lestella. You, you, you covered him with the A's last year. What dynamic does he bring to an offense? Because he's a man of many positions, and that's what the Giants love, versatility. And he's, he's also uh, got quite an approach at the plate. Yeah, he, when Tommy Lestella's in the lineup, which largely it looks like initially will be against right-handers, he will be in the leadoff spot, it looks like. And one of the things this does is it really helps Mike Yastrzemski, who will be batting second behind him most of the time. This, this is the assumption anyway. Uh, and he'll be getting a lot more information by the time he gets to the plate for his first at bat in almost every game. Because Lestella's a guy who's going to work the count. Uh, he's great. He's a great contact hitter. He almost never strikes out. He struck out actually a fair amount this spring and I was flabbergasted. So he's getting, gotten it all out of his system. But uh, yeah, he links, he just lengthens the lineup. You know, he makes them better. This was a lineup that got better throughout the course of last season. Um, he's going to make it better. Evan Longoria looks better. Buster Posey is back. Austin Slater looks very good and healthy, by the way. Uh, and Bell finally healthy again and, and might be a better player now with those bone spurs out. So a lot of really good signs. But, yes, Tommy Lastella might be where it all starts at the top and setting the table for a lot of these guys more in the middle of the quarter. Well, I'll start at the top of the A's lineup, too, because they have a change there. Uh, it looks like Mark Canna is going to go into the season as sort of the primary leadoff hitter, at least to start off. And that's a big change for him because he's been mostly a middle-of-the-order guy. Obviously, they had Marcus Simeon entrenched in the leadoff spot in the last couple of years. But now with him gone, they needed to find a replacement. And with on-base percentage and on-base ability being sort of the primary um, thing that they're looking for there, Mark Hanna has led the team in on-base percentage the last two seasons. So it looks like it's going to be him. Um, it, it doesn't – he has not, you know, had the greatest hitting spring so far, but he does work the count a lot. He sees a lot of pitches, and so it's similar to Tommy Lastella, he's going to, you know, hopefully from the ace perspective, pass down some uh, some intel to the hitters who are following him. And I think they could be a little bit more flexible from the two spot down. You could see Lowry hitting second. You could, as a switch hitter, you could see Ramon Laureano hitting second. He's got a really high contact rate. You might be, maybe even see Elvis Andrews up there a little bit. Um, but I think you know looking up and down the lineup, they're looking for bounce back years from a lot of guys. And I don't know specifically how many are going to be majorly affected by this, but Canna is one guy who was very outspoken about the fact that there was no access to in-game video last year and how that was a big challenge for him to, uh, to sort of adjust to because he had adjusted to having in-game video and being able to run back into the video room during games watch his first at bat or two, make an adjustment, go out and hit, having made that adjustment already in game and saw a lot of success doing that uh, in, in later at bats. That wasn't an option last year, but it looks like it's going to be again an option this season where players, teams are going to have iPads in the dugout, catcher signs are going to be blurred out. So there's no you know, incentive to, to, to watch that kind of stuff, but at least players are going to be able to queue up the at bats that they've already had in a game and see if they can make little tweaks. So, We'll see if that contributes to, uh, to an uptick, not only for the A's, but across the league, because uh, there were quite a few hitters who, uh, who sort of voiced their frustration about that last year. Let's finish off by going through a few items here. Rapid fire. Who's going to hit the most home runs, Brandon Belt or Matt Chapman? 
Matt Chapman. I say neither. Matt Olson. <laughs> Matt Olson. <laughs> I'm breaking the rules. That's right? cheating. Oh, That's okay. cheating. Okay. I, I changed my answer to Evan Laporia. <laughs> okay. This is going well. Uh, who, who will hit the most doubles? Posey or Jed Lowry, who's back? I mean, anybody that says it's not Jed Lowry who is Mr. Doubles is crazy. That's all he does. He is Mr. Doubles. I watched a spring game the other day where Jed Lowry came up in his first two at-bats and hit the same double against the same pitcher. Identical double. Opposite field, left-handed. So I'm going to go with Jed Lowry, too. Yeah, every time I saw him, he was on second base. So I guess it's unanimous. Most wins. Antiquated stat, nonetheless. Gosman, Bassett, two opening day guys. Well, that's a pickup for me. Um, I'll go Gosman, but uh, it wouldn't be either one uh, having a big win season wouldn't necessarily surprise me. I'll go Bassett just because I think he figured out something last year where he's going to be able to, to kind of keep this consistency going over over this full year where he wasn't really able to do it before. He's settled into a role. He's a lot more comfortable and confident now. And you know, if that offense picks up behind him, then I think he's going to be in position to win a lot of games. Well, I'll go Gosman as well. I think he's going to have another big year and over the full season and get rewarded handsomely in free agency. Not a one-year deal, but long-term. Most saves, uh, McGee or Rosenthal? Rosenthal. That's an easy one because McGee will probably wind up, he'll probably wind up sharing it some with Tyler Rogers is my guess. And they'll do, they'll do it a little matchy-matchy, I think. I'll say Rosenthal, too, just because I think the A's are going to exceed their Pakoda 82.6 win total. Okay, then I'll, I'll, uh, I'll go Sergio Romo for the heck of it. Uh, the, la- last thing, um, the next team to win a World Series, Giants or A's, what year? And really, why? <laughs> wow. I mean, I covered the, the A's for, you know, more than 20 years, and they didn't manage to do it, so... Uh, it would be really nice to see them do it, but I will have been gone. So I'm going to say to the Giants again, just out of sheer uh, pettiness. Um, and But that'll be in another four years. <laughs> I'll defer to Susan on this one, but say that echo what we, what we kind of had in our previous story, which was that if, if it doesn't happen for the A's, potentially this season, maybe bleeding into next season a little bit, then, then they might be headed for another sort of retooling period. John, what do you think? I'll go 2029 Bay Bridge Series, Giants A's, no earthquake, seven games, A's. Wow, bold. I love it. (laughs) Well, hey, this is fascinating stuff. Thank you so much, both of you. And Susan, you're traveling as we speak. Then you're going to fly to Seattle. Maddie, you were traveling all night. I think we should rename this podcast On the Road with Susan and Maddie, uh, Jack Kerouac, no, Susan and Matt, <laughs> Susan and Maddie. But uh, anyway, enjoyed it. Uh, have a great season. We'll see you in the press box. Fantastic. Thanks, John. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, John. Thanks, Susan. Thank you for listening to this joint Giant Splash A's Plus podcast. And please continue to tune in to our baseball podcasts all throughout the 2021 baseball season. <laughs>